Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's <laughs> good news. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that as you uh, lead us through this word this morning, that you will bless my words, Lord. Remind us of um, this, this identity that you give us, which is we are your children. Lord, we ask that you would remind us that you are truly a father before anything else. Before being God, you were a father. So, Lord, we thank you for this time, and we ask that you would encourage us by your Spirit's power to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's get into the Word, shall we? Break it down. So, this morning's message, I'm very privileged to share with you because this is something... I actually have adapted this from a sermon I did in Australia a few years ago, but I think it still reigns true for what we have today. Um, and today's sermon, I titled it, Are You a Son or a Slave? Yes, son also. Are you a daughter or a slave as well? Right? I'm just using the, the biblical language this morning. But the question that we have today is, and I, what I want us to spend some time looking at in today's scripture is, are you a son or are you a slave. And today's scripture is all about us understanding that God is actually a dad. He's actually a parent. Before he created anything, while well, him and the spirit and the son were just dwelling together in the presence of themselves, he was a dad. How cool is that? <laughs> so just keep that in the back of your mind. Actually, not in the back of your mind, forefront of your mind today, that at the end of it all, say this with me, God is, come on church, God is a father, my father. Okay, good. And just remember, it's not like Darth Vader, like, I am your, it's like, he loves us. So we're going we're gonna to spend some time looking through that. And it's, it's really awesome in the scripture today because it reminds us that it is by the simplicity of our faith, not that we're simplistic or stupid or silly or dumb, but by the simplicity of our faith, we are made right with God. Not by our own works, but by his grace through faith. Amen? Amen. Love it. So if you've uh, been here before, um, you know that I usually have a theme verse when I preach, um, or, or a few of them. So this is our theme verse today. Um, we have Galatians 3.26. Can you say this with me? For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's say it again. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Love it. Beautiful. And I just wanted to kind of just give us some historical context around the scripture that we're looking at today. It's out of the book of Galatians, which um, is a a letter written from Paul um, to this church that he had established in the city of Galatia. And, And what's going on contextually in the scripture and why Paul is really adamant on talking about um, it's by faith alone that we are made right with God is because there's this troop of Jewish leaders that keep showing up to this new church plant and they keep telling these believers, hey, you Romans that are in the church, you've got to start following the rules of Moses, the law of Moses too, right? And then later they show up at a dinner party and get all hot and bothered about circumcision, who's circumcised and who, who's not. Talk about a weird birth or dinner party, right? Could you imagine that? <laughs> Somebody comes over and they barge into your place and they go, hey, who's following the law and who's circumcised and who's not? 
That's Galatians in a nutshell. And Paul gets really upset, and there's a moment at this dinner party, this is later in the book. If you haven't read Galatians, please, please, please do, because it's so good. Also, it's God's word. You should be reading it. Um, but it's really great because um, he, he kind of gets at them and says, uh, hey, you guys are really kind of stirring up some stuff and making some things kind of mucky and, and muddy for the people that I'm trying to, to lead here, and uh, it's not really helpful, so get out of here. Um, and, and that's really what this whole book is all about. And this section right in the middle of Galatians that we're looking at, chapter 3, going into verse chapter 4, is where Paul is reminding the believers in this church plant, hey, the law of Moses is very important. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Remember, he was a good Jewish guy, right? But he's reminding them and saying, hey, it's by your faith that you're made right with God. Do not forget how simple it is. Have we complicated our faith a lot times over, a lot of times over? Oh, yeah, right? So that's, that's what our, our scripture context is today. Um, and, and just for you to just say this with me, I am saved not by what I've done or not done, but by my faith. Amen. It's not by what you've done or not done. It's about your faith. And I think today is a really appropriate message for Father's Day. Father's Day, Mother's Day, it's kind of this unofficial kind of church holiday, which is kind of cool, um, because we're always kind of finding these scriptures that really kind of highlight this this parent relationship. Um, Because, again, God is a father at the end of the day. He's not the big man upstairs or, you know, like... My guy, no, he's a dad. He's your dad. He's my dad. So it's not by our works, but by our faith that we're made right with God. Um, today, big questions that I have for us that I want us to kind of be thinking about is this. Do you approach God as your father? Do you approach God as your father? So as we spend some time today talking through this and exploring the scripture, just think about that. Do I approach God as my dad? Okay? The other question is, do you talk to him? I should have put a period here. (laughs) Like, do do you talk to him? Do you spend time with your dad? Yes, maybe here on earth or if they're still living, but like, but also, do you go to your father in heaven and actually spend time with him? And do you talk to him out of obligation or do you talk to him out of love? You know, Father's Day is always kind of fun, funny for, I'm 30 years old. Um, I would say I am the youngest person in the room this morning. Um, I can confidently say that. Ah, except for Zach's here. Zach, he's 18. You're the man. But, no, but it, it's true. I, I think uh, the, even this morning, right, I... I got texts from my wife, happy Father's Day, because they're, you know, away and all this stuff. And, um, but it prompted me, oh, yeah, I got to text my own dad and my father-in-law. You know, and I got to text my brother later and my brother-in-laws who are dads too, right? And it's true. How are we, I think about it like this. In our relationship with God the Father, are we texting him or messaging him or reaching out or calling him out of obligation? Or are we coming to him out of love because we can't wait to spend time with him? Good question, right? I struggled with this all week, so 
Welcome to the club. It's a good one for today. Sorry, next week you're going to probably struggle through it as well. I hope that today you think about more than just today. So our other question is, do you see yourself as a son or a daughter or as a slave, as a slave to sin or a slave to this world? Do you see yourself more, do you see that your identity is more um, kind of influenced by by the world or by the sin in which you partake, because we all have sin, we all have our secret sins, or is your identity in the Father? Do you see yourself as a son or a daughter? Are you a slave or are you a son? That's our big question today. So let's, uh, let's keep going. I think something else that I thought we would just do at the beginning of the message today is really set up kind of a ground kind of a framework for us theologically to understand first and foremost the law and what it means to also have faith. So this is, this is just some good classic from Bible college theology that it's good to have in your back pocket and it's this. It's a brief understanding of what the law is. There are three functions of the law of God. It's a curb, it's a guide or a guidebook, and it's a mirror. Who's heard this before? Raise your hand. No? Woohoo! This is my morning. This is awesome. All right, here we go. You ready for some theology? Take out your phone and write this down. I'm serious. Take out your phones because I know you have them. I see you on them when I preach. Come on, sisters and brothers in Christ. Come on. Let's take this out. And, and you can take a picture of this slide. This is what I do when I teach college students because they're always on their phone, is they take pictures of my slides. Or you can write this down. That's an easier way to do it. So this is good for us to know there are three functions of the law of God. Just some Bible teaching here. Here we go. A curb. The law of God is from where? Old Testament or New Testament? Who said new? I'm just kidding. Nobody did. You can give yourselves a pat on the back, right? No. It comes out of the Old Testament, right? Where did God establish the law? Do we know? Mount Sinai, with the Israelites, right? Moses goes up the hill, crazy storm happens, and what does he come down with? Ten Commandments. Are we all thinking of, what, what, who was the guy who played that way back in the day? Charlton Heston, thank you. I only know him from Planet of the Apes, okay? So, at least I know him. At least I know him. Thirty-year-olds are aware of what was going on before we were alive. There you go. But, but see, uh, he comes down the hill, right, and he has this this thing instituted by God. And it's a law. It's, it's this kind of guidebook for the people of Israel to start being the children of God, right? The people of God. And, and I want us to understand this historically, contextually as well. If God didn't do that, it would have just been Egypt 2.0, right? They had been there culturally for 400 years in Egypt. And what do they do when Moses is up on the hill? They have a big party, and they make a golden what? Golden calf, because that's what the Egyptians did. That's all they know. All they're doing is what they know, and God is saying, I want to establish a new covenant with you, a new way of doing things. I'm agreeing to be a part of your existence, and all I'm asking in return is obedience, is a relationship. Crazy, right? God, all he's asking from us is to, Hang out with him and try to do what he says. 
Now, the problem with the law and what we experience today, and this is still appropriate, is how many times over has there been a very fine line in the sand, don't murder, and then we add on all these different things of how not to murder somebody, right? How many times over have we have it a law that we just keep adding to? More stipulations, more things, more, 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 more. And that's exactly what we've done throughout history with God's word is now we live in a time, and we've been living like this for generations. There's this distance between us and God due to our inadequacies of following his word. Amen? How many of us see that when Alex says he's a father, you go, that's nice, Alex. I, I can see it on your faces. I'm telling you what God's word says, friends. He's your dad. He loves you. He adores you. He forgives you. He died for you and me. He actually loves you. He's a dad. And, and I, I think it's, it's good to be a young father today because maybe some of us need to remember what it means to be a father who has somebody who just adores you. I, I'm not with teenagers yet, so that day's coming, I know. <laughs> right? But, but it's important for us to understand this. The law has three functions. It's a curb, meaning this. It keeps us safe and gives us healthy boundaries. Write that down. If, if you already took a picture, you have notes on your phone too. Come on, let's, let's get involved in the scripture today, friends. Let's grow together as a community, not just as individuals, okay? So it's a curb. It keeps us safe and gives us healthy boundaries. When we're driving on the road, what does a curb do? Keeps us from veering off the road and flying through a building, right? Could you imagine driving over an overpass without any curbs on the side? Ooh, that's kind of scary, right? Could you imagine, you know, on the way towards Gilbert out there when you go up like this? Could you imagine that without any barriers? A lot of us are living our lives like this. God is saying, I want to give you something so that a parameter so that you don't fly off the deep end and get really hurt or hurt other people. That's what God's law does. It helps us have an established thing that keeps us safe. Is this making sense? Thumbs up? Yeah? Lovely. And, and, and just historically and contextually for the Israelites as well, so that they wouldn't become Egyptians 2.0, God was saying, I, I'm trying to protect you from doing this over again. Right? I don't, I don't want you to just, if you know anything about Egypt, it was the precursor to Romans, and Romans were really gross. They really were, right? We know this about Romans. They were nasty people, and so were the Egyptians. The Egyptians had a culture that anything went. And within the royal family, historically, you usually would marry and be betrothed to your closest relative, brothers and sisters, when they found King Tut, he had so many weird deformities because there was so much incest in his family. There needs to be a curb, right? <laughs> Some sort of thing that says, hey, you guys are going off the deep end. God's saying to the Israelites, I don't want you to just keep doing what the Egyptians have already done. 
always done. I want you to be my people. I have something else in store for creation. And you're going to be the catalyst to start that. You see what we're going with? So also, then, we have a guidebook. It's like a compass, a manual, instruction for our lives. It helps us know what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. God's word, the law, helps us to know if I'm going in the right direction. If you've ever used a compass, I used to be a Boy Scout for a very brief point in my life, you know that if you're walking somewhere, you sometimes, occasionally, you need to stop and make sure you're on the right course, right? You don't want to just keep going, well, I looked at my compass once, and I'm good. You just keep going over these hills, and then you realize that you actually ended up way over there, right? Those few different degrees, it's important for us to go to the very top of that hill. All right, pull out our compass again. Yep, we're on the right heading. That's good. Let's keep going down the hill, up to the next hill. Whoa, we're actually like this way. We need to go this way. This is why it's so crucial for us as believers to constantly coming back to God's word. If you read it once, that's not enough. You better hear me today, church. Continually come back to God's word. Make sure that you're on the right course that God has for you in your life. Because if we veer off that compass, we can get really lost. And it's scary being lost, right? So it's a guide, but it's a compass, it's a manual, it's instruction. When we check on that compass, when we look at God's word, we can say, I think this is not good. I think this is wrong, what I'm doing, right? And it's not for us to judge other people. It's not for us to judge other people. It's for us to check our own hearts first. Thirdly, then, it's a mirror. It exposes sin. We see our, our brokenness and our need for Jesus, and we're forced to honestly view ourselves in the light of God's holiness. God's holiness is so glorious and incredible, it cannot be in the same place as sin. Did you know that? Theologically, that sin and holiness cannot coexist unless... You have an advocate. Who's the advocate? Come on, who's the advocate? Amen, Jesus, right? Right, we have an advocate on our side who says that when the Father looks at you, he sees the Son in between us. And Jesus is this lens where the Father can look at us and not just, he's not excusing our sin, but he's able to see our brokenness and say, wow, that's a really painful wound. Would you like me to help you with that? You should probably take that Band-Aid off because it's really gross and old and festered, right? He's this lens where he can say, oh, I I saw that you sinned like that. Yes, I still love you because you have faith in my son. It's by our faith and the grace that we have through the faith of believing in Jesus that we can have a right relationship with God. I heard this from an old Jesus movement song a few days ago. It said, um, it talked about how you don't need to go to a theological school. All you need to do is get on your hands and knees. Coming before the Lord in faith and a humble heart. Change your life. It's changed mine. It's long before I ever thought about going to school about any of this stuff. 
It's the day that I just said, Jesus, I just need your help. I believe that your son was enough to cover every broken thing that I did and have done and am doing. Help me out. So the, God's word, right, the law, and not all of God's word is just the law. There's a lot of gospel there too. But if we're looking at some of this stuff, and contextually this is what Paul was dealing with, was this group of people saying, you have to follow rules to be right with God. You have to be obedient. It's a lot of pressure, right? That's every other religion on the face of the earth. But we have a relationship, friends. Beloved, we have a relationship with God because of his son. By simple faith in his son, we are made right with the God of the cosmos. The man who created planets can fling stars in the sky like this. It's insane. That mirror shows us our need for Jesus. Because if we're honest, and I, I'm my worst critic, so I struggle with this, and maybe you do too. Maybe I'm speaking into your heart today. I don't know who you are, but when I look in the mirror, I see my sin. I see a lot of my brokenness. I see a lot of the times that I've fallen short of the glory of God. I see every mistake that I've made. I see everything that I've said or done or haven't done or haven't said. I see all those terrible things that I know are right here. That brokenness plagues me. Thank God I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it because that means that the Holy Spirit's there. If I looked in the mirror and I said, Alex, you're doing great, buddy, wouldn't that be a little nerve-wracking? It's called pride. Americans have a ton of it. We're really proud to be Americans and have all the... We need to check ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Amen? Sometimes we need to check and make sure that our hearts are in the right place. Thankfully, the Lord judges us by our hearts, not by our actions. If this is off kilter, he'll help us with that, right? But our actions, or lack thereof, that's, that lens of Jesus is getting in the way of that. So let's keep going. Understand the law better? Thumbs up? Curb, guidebook, mirror. Love it. Let's keep going. So let's talk about a brief understanding of what faith is. Hebrews 11.1, I believe, is the most beautiful scripture to ever explain what faith is. Here we go. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let me say that again. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let's break this down a little bit. Let's go to the next slide there, guys. Faith is this. These are just dictionary definitions of confidence, hope, and assurance, and I think it's going to be helpful. Who's ever heard you need to have more faith? Raise your hand. All of us. Correct. How do you do that? Right? I want you to just stop thinking about faith as levels, up and down, or like this, that's not biblically true. I want you to go like this with your hands. Come on. Sometimes when I'm leading worship, you'll see me do this when I'm singing. I'm asking the Spirit for more of Him. Give me more faith. So if you ever see me standing up there and I'm going like this, 
I'm asking for more Jesus in my heart. I'm not just looking like a totally crazy person. There's actually something going on in my heart, right? So confidence is this, right? It's, 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 say this with me. Faith is momentum. So it's not levels. It's not width. It's, it's momentum. And I, want, I've, I know I've shared this before. Let's do a quick review. It's like a cottage in the woods, an old cottage with an old mill. And you know those paddle wheels that they have on the side of the house and there's a little stream? That stream is the living water of Christ. That's the blood and the resurrection of Jesus. And our faith is that paddle wheel that gets moved by that water. Sometimes those paddle wheels get rusty, yeah? (laughs) And mucky and dirty. Sometimes you need somebody to get a chisel in there and get all that nasty stuff off, right? So that that paddle wheel can start moving again. When that river flows, there's supposed to be momentum. And what goes on inside the mill? You have grain there and a big stone, and what does the stone do? It moves and crushes what? The grain, which you can create to make flour and bread and all these things, right? So I want you to see yourself as that cottage out in the old woods, that old cottage that's there, and it's that faith is that momentum. And there's this, this thing that's changing inside that you can't really see. You can hear the wheels turning and the pulleys moving and the ropes. But it's that paddle wheel that moves. This is, this is faith, right? Some of us, our faith is like this. It's still moving. That's good. Some of us, it's like, okay, can we put a dam up the way so that it slows down a little bit, right? But if there's momentum, you're on the right track. So when somebody says have more faith, go like this. Just to remind yourself, momentum, 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 more Jesus, more, right? So let's just talk through this. Confidence is, definition is, a feeling or belief that can relay, sorry, a feeling or belief that you can rely on someone or something. So it's a, a feeling that we experience. It's okay to have feelings. I know your generation doesn't talk about that much, but it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have a feeling or a belief that you can rely on someone else, something else, somebody bigger than yourself. I'm just going to speak to the guys for a second because it's Father's Day. Dads, we love to fix things, amen? Do we always do it right the first time? Nope. I don't care how good you are at reading an instruction manual. If you can't build it, you can't build it. Or if you can't fix it, maybe just ask for help from the mechanic. Dad, if you're watching, ask for help sometimes. <laughs> right? You can't always do it on your own, Dad. But no, but it's true. It's, it's this thing of, um, it's, it's a feeling and a belief that I can accomplish this if I have help. That's confidence. Can you show me what a confident posture looks like, church? Show me. Sit up. Show me. Yeah, nice. David shot right up out of that rocking chair. Love it. If you're only online and you've never come, yes, our church has rocking chairs, and it's great. But, no, but seriously, confident posture is standing up like this, right? Standing up straight. There's, there's a, a demeanor that we kind of show off to the rest of the world. I'm feeling good about this. And that then leads to hope, which is an exp- ex- expectation for a particular thing to happen, right? We have f- how many seasons in the, in the, the year? 
four. So just mostly sun here in Arizona, right? No, but we have four seasons. I have hope that this summer's heat will end. Amen? Am I preaching today? I'm preaching. Somebody say you're preaching, Alex, right? No, but I have an expectation for a particular thing to happen. I have hope that that will happen. And I've seen it happen before, so I believe that the Lord will shift the trajectory of the earth to a certain way where it won't be so hot, right? That's a confident hope that I have, which then leads to assurance, an inner peace, a positive declaration intended to give confidence. What's a positive declaration? Mary, I love that blue shirt. That was a declaration. I declared it. What did Paul Revere declare in the Revolutionary War? The British are coming, which for me as a Commonwealth citizen now, I'm not too worried about. But, but just don't worry, don't worry. Some of you guys are, oh, this guy, don't worry. No, but I think uh, <laughs> after you live in Australia, you just, you have a heart for the queen. But now, right, there's this, this positive declaration, right, intended to give confidence. That's what assurance is right? I'm declaring something. Lord, you are faithful. God, you are good. You are my father that loves me and calls me beloved. That's a positive declaration intended to give confidence. Do you see how it goes back in this cycle? Do you see what I'm talking about with the paddle wheel? See how that works? Is that helpful for us today? Good. It's by your faith that you are made right with God. It's by that confidence that leads into hope, which leads you to assurance, which leads you back to confidence, to hope, to assurance, which leads you back to confidence. It's a cycle. Faith is a momentum. Faith is something that continually keeps moving. It's not up or down. It's not stagnant. You cannot have a stagnant faith. And if If it's really slow, ask for more water. Ask for rain to come. Come on, Lord, bring the rain. Bring your rain, see how I did that, in my life. Create that momentum. So, friends, (laughs) my confidence is that Jesus' death on the cross was enough to take away all my sin. And because of his sacrifice, I can stand tall knowing that because of him I am saved and made right with God. My hope then is that I will never die, but instead open my eyes in heaven and that he will finish what he started in me. My assurance is that in my praise and worship, I will declare the goodness of who Jesus is and what what he has done in my life and that my faith will increase its momentum and I will feel an urge to share, share that confidence, hope, and assurance with everyone around me. Paul's argument in Galatians to these religious leaders is, they're saying you need to do all these things. He says that obedience to the Father comes out of faith. Friends, here we go. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. This is what we get to receive. Let's go to that next one, guys. Galatians 4, 6 to 7. This is out of our scripture today. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son, into our brains. No, did I read that wrong? Yes, how much of us thought that faith was just up here? Nope, 
right here. God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, friends, God has made you his heir. Meaning everything that Jesus received, eternal life, place in the kingdom, purpose, we get to receive that as well. When we receive the spirit, we receive that. We are no longer have to be slaves to our sin or to this world because the Holy Spirit is yours by faith alone. Because of what Jesus' sacrifice was on the cross, you and I, brothers and sisters, beloved, we are co-inheritors with Christ. He is the one who died on our behalf so that we could receive our full inheritance. As the scripture this morning calls it, the estate. Talks about that in, in some other translations about this, this young man. It talks about this in the beginning of chapter 4, which we read this morning. Is This young man, the father has set a specific time for the young man to take over the estate. But he's too young to really understand that yet. Right? The estate is ours. And through our faith and our maturity in our faith, more and more is revealed to us. Not by our own doing, but by the Spirit's power. He is our helper. I think I have a slide up there. Do you guys have that? Here we go. The Holy Spirit, friends, is our helper. The Holy Spirit is the heart of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the empowerer for us to be like Jesus. If you are struggling and you need help, ask for it. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. Is it weird to hear about the Holy Spirit? Is this a new teaching for us sometimes? We're really good about talking about God as a father or Jesus as a son, and then there's that other guy. <laughs> Holy Spirit is a guy. He's, he's a part of the Trinity. He's a real living person. Person of the Trinity that we have to recognize that if there's something that you need in your life and you're asking God for help, ask for the Holy Spirit to help you in that. Let's talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together, working in tandem with our faith. Something changes in our hearts. Friends, it's, it's out of our baptism that the Father has adopted us and made us right with him. Those waters of baptism that some of us received a long time ago named us and claimed us. Those waters of baptism in the Spirit show us in the whole world whose we are. He's named us and claimed us even in our brokenness and all the times that we fall short of his glory. Because at the end of the day, friends, we are his kids. Why does God hate sin? Because sin hurts his kids. Dads don't like bullies, do we? No. Mm-mm. And it's not one of those things you've got to learn how to stand up for yourself. No, it's not one of those things. It's, I want to help intervene. I wanna, the Lord is saying, I see what you're struggling with, and I want to help you. Let me in. Friends, we have full access to the Father, and because we have faith in his Son and because he's gifted us with the Spirit, you are able to come to him with full access. You better hear me this morning, church. Hear this. 
Say this with me. I am not an annoyance to my father. Your prayer concerns, the things that you struggle with, are as important to the father as you can imagine. Even if it seems silly to you, it's not to him because a dad cares. Does that make sense? You are not an annoyance to your father. You can approach him as a son and a daughter, no longer a slave, but a child. This is for us as we finish up this morning. For us parents, especially us dads, I want you to just hear this today. If your kids came and asked you for help, would it bother you? Like they were really struggling with something, really, really. Like, how would you feel about that? Who's the dad in the room? Raise your hand. Scott, if your kids came to you and said, Dad, I really need help, would you feel honored? Absolutely. We'd feel blessed by that. How often do our kids do that? Never. Right? (laughs) But it's called pride. But maybe they learned it from us. Who knows? It's a dad thing. But dads, I just want to encourage you with this. You got to see yourself as a son too. And if there's a part of you as a father that you are desiring to be better at, you got to ask your dad for help. Ask for advice. Sometimes we need to actually just not do it on our own. Crazy concept. Don't let your pride get in the way of asking your dad for help. The best part of my day, church, is when my kids crawl up in my lap. It's the best part of my day. I got a nine-month-old, and I got a three-year-old. And when Francis was a little one, and now Juniper's nine months, they do this great thing. Everybody loves babies, right? Until they stink, right? But, <laughs> right, but everybody loves babies because they just exude joy. They're so excited when they start walking and wobbling. Oh, man, this is so cool, Right? And when they see their parents, what do they do? They just light up with joy. Best part of my day is when I can't wait to see my kids today. Kids, I love you. I love you. I love you. Can't wait to see you today. When they crawl up in my lap and my son goes, ah, can't speak yet. But he sees me and he goes, dad, you know, like, I love you. That's what our father desires for us is to crawl up in his lap and go, I love you, man. Thank you. And the coolest part of having little kids is when you look in each other's eyes and you see your reflection in their eyes. It is so humbling. The Father is saying to you this morning, call out to me. Call me Abba, Father. Call me Daddy. Call out to me. Look at me. Gaze my direction because I love you so much. I'm so tired of seeing you walk around like You're worthless. You're not. You're good value. Receive it, church. It's the best part of my day when my kids and my daughter says, good morning, Dad, I love you, which is very often because she's three. She can be a, a stinker sometimes. Kids do silly stuff. We're kids too, right? We're still learning. Dads, we don't always get it right, Amen. I said, we don't always get it right, (laughs) amen. Amen. In fact, most of the times we get it wrong, but thank God for his grace and mercy. But guys, we got to ask for help. 
for the times that we miss the mark. And we've got to ask for his forgiveness too. Can I just encourage you dads, keep trying. If you're a dad and you're watching online, keep trying, keep trying, keep showing up, keep showing up. Your kids, they need it. They need it, they need it, they need it. They need you in their life, whether they realize it or not. Studies show that kids get their self-worth from their mother and their identity from their father. Show up, show up, show up, show up. Keep trying. It's better to do nothing. It's better to do something than nothing, friends. But uh, let those that we've hurt set the pace. Because some of us have accidentally hurt our, our kids or other people. And, and sometimes we've done it on purpose. We need to let them set the pace. Let love lead you, brothers. And many of us in this room have been hurt by our real fathers. But take heart because God is your true father and he truly loves you and adores you. And when you gaze in his eyes, even for a moment, it fills his heart with joy. Keep looking his direction and remember whose you are and how much he truly loves you. Moms, this is really quick for us. Please pray for us, guys, because we need a lot of help. Forgive us for all the times when we don't get it right. Our culture has set us up to fail. But when you support us and you forgive us and you love us, that propels us to victory. It does. Support goes a long way. Thank you for not giving up on us and thank you for managing the estate as we mature. <laughs> I know moms do a lot. Wives do a lot. Something that Annie and I say in our marriage is we, we say, I want to speak to who you can be, not to who you are right now. It's really good, right? Because most of the time, we're not doing it very well. Kids, if you're online, listen up. To my own kids, I just want to say I love you, Francis, and I love you, Juniper. I cannot wait to hold you today. It's the best Father's Day. I'm so excited to pick you up from the airport. Love you. And nothing you ever have done or not done or will do will ever change that. I love you. You might watch this years down the road, and I want you to know that I love you. Forgive us, kids, for all the times that we have um, fallen short of what your expectations of a father are supposed to look like or be. We never meant to hurt you. We're hurt too, and we both need Jesus. We both need Jesus for us to be who we're meant to be. Keep bringing those second chances to us parents because, gosh, we need them. Amen? If you got parents that you're going to visit today, remember to give them a second chance. They love you. They're trying. <laughs>